Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it's my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I, I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. For in the day of trouble, He will keep me safe in His dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of His sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above my enemies who surround me. At His sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart says of you, seek His face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject or forsake me, God, my Saviour. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes. For false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. The book of Psalms is a book of prayers, God's holy anointed prayers that were worth keeping for the past two and a half to three and a half thousand years. These are holy anointed words. There is so much struggle in this prayer, in this psalm. There is so much battle, there are enemies. There are storms, there are things coming on every side. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Be strong, take courage and wait. Wait on the Lord. He hears you, He loves you, He knows you. He wants you to talk to Him. He wants this prayer. David, King David wrote down this, this psalm. And it says, God, things are really rough. God, there are people on every side, but I know, I know, Lord, that you will protect me and that you will deliver me and that you will raise me up. You are my strength, you are my rock, you are my salvation, you are my light. These Psalms don't exist to exasperate you. They have not been kept to make your life hard because you've got a reading plan that means you have to read through them. 
these Psalms have been recorded and kept for three and a half thousand years so that we can use them as templates to call out to our God, so that we can put words to the words that we can't utter in our spirits, that we can cry out. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Saviour. These words are here for us to cry out to God our Father. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray this morning that this word is from you. Lord, that you speak what you have for your children this morning and let us hear it, Lord. Transform us by your word. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please grab your seats. Thanks, Kev. Oh, Lord, take away anything that stands between us and you this morning. Amen. I am loving, loving that worship. Thank you, team, for serving, for doing what God has called you to do. So you may be aware, you may not, Easter is three weeks away. And that is pretty dumbfounding because Christmas was only a couple of weeks ago, right? (laughs) It was actually 12 weeks. Christmas and Easter are arguably, sorry, without argument, the most significant observances in Christianity. These are the days that the unchurched will attend church because it's the thing that their grandma did. Grandma said we have to go to midnight mass on Christmas. And she's been dead 30 years, but I'm still going to midnight mass on Christmas. I'm still going to the Easter service because grandma will haunt me if I don't. You know, the the unchurched, the people that don't care in the slightest about Christmas or Easter or Jesus will still observe these practices because there is something deeply significant about Christmas and Easter. I think the pace that we move at in this modern world, sometimes it's hard to remember that significance. We're trying to keep up with school terms and school holidays on repeat and work and deadlines and extracurricular activities and trying to have a work-life balance and going to the gym because the doctor is saying your cholesterol is too high but I can't sort that out because I'm busy doing this and now it's Easter and what's going on and I think we lose we lose the significance of not only Easter but a lot of the things that are happening in our worlds because we're just too busy to register them and You know, sometimes we don't make the room make room to give God the honour that he is due. The chaos in our lives is not a bad thing. It It is a sign usually of a good life, that we have a family or that we have a job that we love and that we are committed to. Or, you know, we've got those extracurricular activities for our children or for ourselves. Sometimes a full life is not a bad life. It is a life full of joy, but it is a life full of chaos. 
I know I go through seasons where the materialism and commercialism of Christmas and Easter just make me so cynical and cranky because hot cross buns have been on shelves for 12 weeks. And let me tell you, I could eat my body weight in hot cross buns. I love those things. But is there any significance when you can buy them for half the year? Are they actually a thing or are they just a treat that the whole world eats for half a year? Maybe you're just in a season of feeling really detached from the whole situation, whether it's emotionally or spiritually. It's all just a bit bland and grey. You're not feeling any excitement or fire. Or you're just too exhausted to let yourself invest. Whether all of these things are true for you or none of them at all, I really truly believe that there is space for every single one of us to get closer to God as we prepare to celebrate and remember Easter. God designed us, he created us in his image to be relational. In his image to be relational. He, the creator of the universe, almighty God, wants a genuine, real relationship with you. Jesus' life and death and resurrection are central to this purpose. Because if God didn't care about a relationship with you, Jesus wouldn't have had to suffer. God could have just killed you off and everything would have been fine. He would have made the next thing. But because God wants a personal, deep relationship with you, he made a way to overcome sin. And that is what we are remembering at Easter. Easter exists because God wants a relationship with you. And married people in the room, what is the key to a good relationship? Doing as you're told. Good job, Alma, that's obedience. That is definitely on God's list. Sorry, well done. <laughs> I was gonna say communication. Does anyone agree with that? Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> Otherwise, we probably need to go into a relationship series. Um, <laughs> intimacy is definitely very important, Liv. Intimacy is essential, and intimacy in marriage is definitely different from intimacy with God, but God loves intimacy as well. In fact, he calls the church his bride, and if he, if he didn't want that intimacy, why would Jesus call the church his bride? Like... Brides and intimacy is just such a, a picture. So communication is key in every good relationship. And our creator God wants that communication with us. And he speaks to us and he's given us his holy word so that we can read what he is saying. But also, we need to do our part because... If you have ever had a one-way conversation, you know that it's not very enjoyable. It's like nagging or lecturing or talking to a wall, and that doesn't build relationship. Communication is two ways. Romans 8, 15 and 16 says, The spirit you receive, that's the Holy Spirit, does not make you slaves. Holy Spirit is not here to control us so that you live in fear again, because before Jesus, the law was what controlled them, and it, they were slaves to the law. If you did this, you had to go and you had to take your, your goat and your pigeons 
and take them to the temple and the priest would sacrifice them for you. And if you were unclean, then you had to leave town and go sit outside town for X amount of time until you were declared clean. You were slaves to the law. You lived in fear because if anything went wrong, then there was a huge amount to rectify it. But Jesus ended that. He fulfilled that and he created the new covenant. And then he sent the Holy Spirit. So it's not that you are slaves or you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about adoption to sonship. We are God's children, co-heirs with Jesus Christ. And by him, by the spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. And I, I remember looking this up in a message last year. Yeah, last year. That Abba is, is like daddy, but it is also obedience. It's authority. And I recognize how great you are, but you are also my daddy and I love you. It is that love and obedience. It's not something that we really have a word for in English. And that's probably why we still have the Hebrew there, the Abba. Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So not only does the Holy Spirit bring you to the throne room of mighty God, author of creation, king of kings, and say, talk to your daddy. He then stands next to you and says, this is what your child needs. He advocates on our behalf. He joins in with our prayers. Lord, what are you not doing for your child? Lord, your child needs this. What a profoundly humbling revelation. Not only does he let us approach Almighty God, which for the whole Old Testament, God was an unapproachable God. If you walked into the Holy of Holies, you would drop dead. God was unapproachable. It was only a priest once a year who had to go through an enormous amount of cleansing rituals. And if he missed anything, he would drop dead. They had a rope tied around their ankle so that if they did, then they could drag them out. Because if someone else went in there in the presence of a dead body, they would die too. Because that would make them unclean. So this is an Old Testament, deeply unapproachable God has been made approachable. And Holy Spirit lets us go right up to his feet, up to our daddy, and hold him and speak with him, and then he advocates on our behalf. That is deeply humbling. We are so incredibly blessed. This is a personal relationship. This is for you. Even if you think you disqualify yourself, God doesn't disqualify you. We went to um, Pastor's Day last year. I didn't go to the last one, but in September last year, Pastor Jason Schroeder gave us these three postures and the third one was, Lord, teach me how to be radical in prayer. And that's something that I really felt for this morning. Radical by definition is extreme or very different from the usual or tradition. And so we can think of usual prayers and they might be rote prayers, just going through our shopping list or saying grace. Grace can be very... Um, Blase, thanking God for our food. Um, I think with our kids, it's a race to see who can say it first and fastest. 
But then he went on to say, this radical prayer takes us to a place where we don't plan things and then pray about them, but that all our planning comes out of a place of prayer. Before you step out, before you make a decision, before you come to a place, you sit at his feet and you talk. We talk. We have these radical prayers. Change the way that we communicate with God. And instead of bringing our plans to God for his approval, we take ourselves to him before we formulate any plans. It seems really obvious, but how often do we get that backwards? How often do you say, God, I'm doing this. It's going to be great. And God goes, oh, no. That is not the plans that I have for you. And other times when you are just seeking him and being in his presence, then he just unfolds the most glorious plan in front of us. He quoted Timothy Keller in the book, Prayer, Experiencing Awe and Intimacy with God. Prayer is the only entryway, the only entryway into genuine self-knowledge. It is also the main way we experience deep change, the reordering of our loves. Prayer is how God gives so many of the unimaginable things he has for us. Sorry, prayer is how God gives us so many of the unimaginable things he has for us. When you get something that is unimaginable, something you, God, I couldn't even think to ask for this. It's because of our relationship with God. Indeed, prayer makes it safe for God to give us many of the things we most desire. It's the way we know God. Prayer is the way we know God. The way we finally treat God as God. Prayer is the way we treat God as God. Prayer is simply the key to everything we need to do and be in life. Prayer is simply the key to everything we need to do and everything we need to be in life. We must learn to pray. We have to. I just found that that passage so deeply impacting. Prayer is the key to everything we need to do and be in life. A previous, um, earlier on in the book, he had this illustration, he's wife got really sick, he got sick, Um, like I think he had cancer, she had a pretty serious disease and she came to him and she just said, we need to pray as if it was the medication that if you don't take the medication you're going to die, we need to pray together every night like it was your cancer medication, if you don't take this medication you're going to die, that is how much we need to pray. We need to talk to God as a couple every day, she said, as if we were going to die if we didn't. Isn't that a profound illustration? Because prayer is far more powerful than medication. I'm not saying go off your medication, talk to your doctor. Um, But still pray, because God can heal you and then you won't need your medication. So not only is prayer essential to knowing God, but to knowing ourselves, to experiencing deep and lasting life change, 
We think of the God stuff really easily, but to know ourselves we need to pray. That's a bit of a revelation. And some of us are more inclined to study the Word of God. You know, if you've been here any length of time, you know I love this book. You know I love to nerd out over what God has said to us of the intricacies and the incredible orchestration of this Bible because there are so many things I mean, if it was a movie, you'd call them Easter eggs. Like every page adds up to a certain numerical figure in Hebrew. And like there's so many themes and things throughout the Bible that God's just like, surprise. You know I love this book. And, you know, some of us are more inclined to study than to pray. The word is great. It is essential. But the power and the heart change that the gospel provides can only be revealed to us in prayer. This living word, this word of God, we need the author to be speaking to us at the same time. And that is God, and that is through communication, and that is through prayer. We need to read it in relationship. The psalm we heard at the beginning, Psalm 27, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? This was written a long time before Jesus was born, let alone before he died. And yet here he is. The Lord is my light and my salvation. How much more true do we know that is now? Jesus is our salvation. Do we believe that? God is our light, our salvation and our stronghold. We need to declare these things. These prayers are declarations and communications with our God. Who shall I fear? Who will I be afraid of? If I truly believe that God is my light and my strength and my stronghold, why am I afraid of what that person thinks? Why am I not stepping out into that place where he's called me because of the opinions of others? Verse 4, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. David asked for many things in his Psalms and in the writings about David. But if he had to pick one thing, if King David had to pick one thing, it would be relationship with God. It would be face to face in God's house. Is this something your heart longs for? As we grow closer to God, as we speak to him and spend time with him, I believe that's when the passion will ignite. The more you know God, the more you will want to know God. It might feel like a chore to start with. In fact, I can almost guarantee it will start as a chore. Just like talking to someone that you've never met is really hard at first. Or maybe once they're acquaintance and you've talked about all of the surface level stuff, and you've got to dig deep to build, that is where the struggle is. I just want to see you, Lord, seek you in your temple. That was David's ultimate. And verse 14, the the closing verse of that psalm, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Our unanswered or delayed prayers can be pretty discouraging. We can walk through these wilderness seasons, but God is faithful. Waiting is hard, 
but setting out without God is far more perilous. We need to pray first and plan second and not plan those big things without God because without God, we're going to end up in a lot more trouble than if we didn't, you know, if we just waited. Nothing that is great is also easy. We know that this is across life. If it is something worthwhile, if it is something big, then it's not as simple as just walking in, otherwise everyone would do it and it would not be great. By that measure, the greatness of prayer, it is difficult. And that might be encouraging for you to know if you're struggling. If you struggle to pray, then please know that it is is hard. Just like talking to someone, you've got no idea what to say. But in building that relationship, in stepping out, just trying, trying to pray, God will transform our lives and our hearts. Jesus gave up all that is being God to be mortal with us, to live and grow and die. And he suffered in completely inhumane ways. As we approach Easter, we hear the story more and more of his trial and the whipping and the crown of thorns and hanging on a cross, crucified to die. This is disgusting. It's awful. It is not in any way a humane way to die. But he did it for you. He did it so that we could talk to him, so that we could have relationship with him. God raised him back to life and sin is conquered and Jesus is not conquered. I'd like for us to spend the next three weeks preparing our hearts to remember this sacrifice. We'll get to know him better, no matter how much or how little we know him right now. We can do this by reading the Psalms. If, if you have no starting point, then jump in the book of Psalms. If you don't have a Bible, if you don't have Psalms, there is the Bible app on the phone. Otherwise, come to the info bar and say, I don't have a Bible and we've got some free Bibles and free... I'm not sure if the New Testament has Psalms at the back. Some of them do. Anyway, go to the info bar because if you haven't got access to it, for whatever reason, we would love to change that. And you read through the Psalms, read them aloud as if it was a conversation. Pray them. Pray them like we have this morning. Say, Lord, these words, I'm echoing them in my life. Spend time praying quietly, privately, alone time with God. Meditate on his word. But also... This is not just about our quiet alone time. What you are doing here this morning, worshipping in corporate worship, praying in corporate prayer, these are essential parts of being a part of God's body and growing in our prayer, growing in our relationship. They are so different and important in developing our prayer life. In 2023, prayer is a primary focus for C3 statewide, and we are excited. 
In just under two weeks, we have a global prayer meeting on Thursday, March the 30th via Zoom across the whole C3 movement. This is the whole world. There is a morning and an evening. I think it might be 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. So there's two Zoom meetings. The information is in our newsletter. If you don't get the newsletter, please go to the info bar and we'll get you signed up. Um, Praying together as a globe, as the whole world. This, This is profound. This is powerful. And this is something we can be a part of and plug into. And it will benefit you as much as it benefits everyone who is being prayed for. And I know we will be prayed for. I know that C3 Port Headland and all of you and all of our community will be prayed for as a part of this prayer by people all around the world. The next night, March the 31st, we have our night of prayer starting at 9pm. This is going to be powerful. We're going to have communion. We're going to have prayer. We're going to have some worship. And I urge you to, you know, get a babysitter or make time, have a nap in the afternoon so that you can come from 9pm on Friday night after youth um, and pray and seek God together. And weekly on Thursday evenings, we have prayer right here in this room. Is it 6 or 6.30 a minute? Yeah, 6.30 Thursday nights here in this room. We raise our voices to God and we would love for... Hey, if we had 60, 70 people on a Thursday, God wouldn't be mad. If prayer meeting was bigger than church, God wouldn't be mad. Lord, transform us in our prayer. We want to make room for you to move. We want to experience your glory. We want to be the sons and daughters that you have called us to be. We want to experience the power of revelation that comes only from you. The book I was talking about before, Timothy Keller, tells about a transformational time in the changing of his prayer habits. He began to read through the Psalms regularly. He was getting through, I think there's 150, he said, so he's reading through each Psalm about twice a year. He started having a time of meditation in between his Bible reading and his prayer. He began to pray morning and night as often as he could, not just one or the other. And he began to pray with greater expectation. And it was hard, but he persisted. And he said, after two years, two years of implementing these things, that seems like a really long time and you probably want to give up because nothing changed. But after two years, he saw breakthroughs and fruit in his life. His perspectives had changed. He had more rest in God, more peace in his quiet time. But he also had a greater burn for the struggles of the world, for the evil in him and the evil in the world. And so he was petitioning with God on a whole new level to to overcome this evil. That's my prayer for us, that we might be bold enough to be radical in our prayers that we might be deeply changed by the relationship with our Father so that we may gain his perspectives and grow in wisdom and honour him the way he deserves. Our God is so great. If it's been a revelation to you this morning that God loves you, that he has an individual 
unique, personal love for you. I would like to give you the opportunity this morning to ask Jesus into your heart. In a moment, we're all going to stand and we're going to say a prayer together. And this prayer is just, you know, saying, I'm a sinner. God, I accept you. Please transform me. I want to follow you. And the decision is in your own heart. The prayer isn't magic. You don't get a whole new life once you pray this prayer, but you are made new. And from there, we would love to journey with you. We'd love to give you a pack of resources. We'd love to surround you and help you on this journey because it's the best decision you'll ever make. So I'll get you to stand. We're gonna pray together. So if you've never asked Jesus into your life or if you have in the past and you've fallen away and you just wanna rededicate your life to God, or if you just wanna be really sure that you're going to heaven, if that's not an assurance that you have in your heart, if you're like, well, I've been in church, but I don't know that I actually ever said yes to God. Um, this, this is your moment, this is your prayer. So in boldness, I want us to all close our eyes. And if that's you this morning, if you feel in your heart or in your stomach, that this, this might be God pushing you, saying, hey, this is your turn, choose me, then I would love for you to raise your hand and say, God, it's me. I'm your child, it's me. So I get you to raise your hand now. Thank you, I see you up the back. Thank you, I see you in the back. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your children. We're just gonna give it another moment. Lord, I am your child. Thank you. So I get you to repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Saviour. In your name, amen. Hey, can we have an enormous round of applause for the people that made that decision this morning? Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, that two more of your children have joined, joined the flock, Lord. And there is a celebration in heaven every time someone makes that decision. The whole of heaven goes crazy and parties because one of God's babies has come home. And as I said, we would love to support you on the journey of Christianity. Prayer is hard, but we can do it. We can work together. We are a family. Knowing God is not an easy journey. So please come and see us. Anyone you've seen on stage, the info bar, come and let us know. And we would love to come around you and support you. Hey, thank you so much for watching. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing from our channel. And share with a friend because you never know who you're going to bless. You can also catch us live every Sunday morning at 9.30am Australian Western Standard Time. We'd love to see you there.